wonderful to see me uh, not wearing a suit and tie and everything. Just a couple things. First of all, uh, I don't know how legit the email was, but it came to us that uh, we received that podcast, that um, they recognized us as the top ten in all eschological studies, which is pretty amazing in itself. So either they have a very limited supply of top ten studies, or uh, I was really glad to get that as well. Now, they haven't asked for money, so that's normally pretty legit. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I don't know how many of y'all know this, but Brother Todd Marks is married. He uh, will be with us on the 22nd. Uh, I'd like for us, if possible, Nancy, I'm going to throw this on you, to go ahead and make some baskets. Uh, they have two children, an 8-year-old and a 11 or 12 years of age. I'll get that for you, okay? Yeah, and I'll make sure that you have that information. And uh, it's nice. It's a nice little thing for us to be able to give them a nice little basket and everything ready to go. Uh, something that they can enjoy as well. So the only reason I didn't want this broadcasted is just like the reason that I don't bring your mom and dad's announcements about their uh, upcoming party. Be my good fortune that they would get a hold of something like that. We don't want that to occur. So, uh, again, we want to remind everybody about the goodness that we have planned. All right, Brother Joe, let's go ahead and we'll get started. It's good again to see everyone that's here today, and I pray the Lord will bless. We're going to take our Bibles where this time we're going to return to the book of Revelation, chapter 20. Now, while this is not part of our eschological studies, it is part of what we have as a founding belief amongst our church are articles of faith. And now this is part one of what we're going to be studying together about the last state of man or the final state of the lost. And I want us to take a look at uh, chapter 20 of Revelation. We're going to read the entire chapter together and let's see what it has to say. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the, the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither uh, received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished, and this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to battle them together uh, to battle, and gather them together to battle, the number of whom is the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and encompassed the camp of the saints about. And the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that had deceived them was cast into a lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it from whose face the earth 
and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up their dead, which were in it, and dead and hell were delivered up uh, the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now I realize that there is a lot that is written in here, but I want us to get one thing in particular about the final state of man. There's actually only two divisions when it comes to God, lost and redeemed, lost and saved. And so when we go into this particular area, for us to understand what we mean by the final state of man, we have to understand what the Bible says over and over and over again. I know it seems like such a small section but this is a continuation of what the Lord has preached time and time again uh, throughout his ministry in the Old Testament as well. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit. Many people want to say, and I've heard so many people say this, that the Lord never spoke on hell, that he never addressed hell. Well, I differ with them. If you'll take our Bibles, let's go to the book of Mark. And I realize that we did quite a bit of verse-by-verse -verse study earlier today, and we're probably going to do the same thing again as we look at uh, chapter, chapters and verses today. But in the book of Mark, chapter 9, once again, I want us to go down to verse 44 and listen to how the Lord describes hell or the abyss. All right, let's go down to verse 44. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut, cut it off, better for thee to enter halter in life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out, for better uh, for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. For every one that shall be salted with salt with fire, and the sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourself, and have peace one with another. One last passage I'd like for us to take Luke, and we're going to go over to chapter 16. Once again, this was a parable that the Lord gave, and a lot of times people say, well, you know, parables are a story. And in their mind, what they're saying is that it is a story, but it's not true. Well, the reality is, I believe that everything that the Lord uttered is true. He didn't just use uh, a blanket example and use false names or anything of this nature. But in Luke chapter 16, if we go down to verse 20, we read this. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at the gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died, and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. I'll end it right there. The reality is, is that more than one occasion the Lord spoke on hell. I don't think it was the, the only premise that he used, but he did not shy away from the fact that it is real. 
Uh, if you go to certain occults, I remember that they don't like the idea of hell. They don't think that they're being tormented. They can't understand Trinity. They can't understand salvation. And so they choose to pick out different things and literally argue against it. I remember that I was in a, uh, a Southern Baptist church many years ago. And this one man said, well, now, the word devil doesn't mean one devil. It means multitude of devils or multitude of imps. And I was listening to what he said, and I thought, now, how soon before you realize that the devil and the word Satan are one and the same? They're synonymous. And yet there are a lot of demons that follow after, after Satan and what he practices. But I said, to give this instrument that it's not real, even from a Baptist pulpit, means you need to sit down and be taught. You need to learn as well. The reality is what we just read in Revelation chapter 20 is the first of many statements in regards to what we know and what we believe about this upcoming judgment that is going to occur, the final state of man. And so as we get into the practice today of this message, I want us to understand with all clarity, if at all possible, the final state of man and what message we have to deliver. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Father, I want to thank you for the blessings that you alone can give. And help us, dear Father, to be the faithfulness, the man of God that we should be each and every day of our lives. We're thankful, Lord, that you allow us to study the Word. We pray that the things that you give us might be a, not only a benefit to us, but that they might be a help in all that we practice, in all that we say, in all that we do. Help us, dear Father, to know the truth of thy Word. Lead and bless now. In Christ we pray. Amen. We're going to begin by going over to the Gospel of John. We were there earlier today. Let's go to chapter 14. As I said in the earlier sermon that uh, we had talked about a little of what the Scripture teaches us. But in John chapter 14, we find that the Lord is speaking of just one way to God. Now I want to just look at this beginning in verse 6. And it said, And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Now, that may be offensive to a lot of people, but I want to show you something that a lot of people uh, are even more offended by. And let's go to Acts chapter 9 just for a second. And I'm going to show you how powerful this word way really is. All right, now watch this. In Acts chapter 9 verse 2, and desired letters of Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, if you don't have this way underlined, underline this way. There was a part of the Jewish faith that they would not even mention Jesus' name. They did not want to hold it. They didn't want to believe it. And so even with the Apostle Paul, he would look and say, are you in the way? Are you a part of the way? You see, that word way meant a lot to the Jewish people because they understood there was only one way whereby we're going to see that in a little bit later in Acts chapter 4. But the reality is, is that this was a product where people understood the clarity that there was only one way to the Father and that was through the, the precious sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His death, birth, don't leave him buried, don't leave him on the cross. 
don't leave him without bringing him to a successful resurrection and I even believe in the ascension which means he's coming again and so because that he has ascended upon high and he's coming again we know that this way is practical it is powerful it is amazing to us then why is it that we have so many people that resist us when we try to preach the word of God well there's an easy answer let's take the book of Romans and we're going to go to chapter 1 and I want you to see this as well in Romans chapter 1 we're going to go down to verse 18 in fact verse 17 is one of my favorites it says for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith it is written the just shall live by faith Look what else it says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. This is the one thing that we just read about in Revelation chapter 20. God has revealed his wrath. All become a time of tribulation, a time, a time of judgment. But even more so, we cannot just excuse sin for sin's sake. Look what else it says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That is including religious rulers or religious people. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. I remember this, that many years ago that we had so many people that they just wanted to do away with God. They didn't want to have anything to do with Him. In fact, I love what D. James Kennedy did years ago with an evolutionist. He said, why is it that you are holding so much? And he said, I think it would be a profound answer. And he said, what this evolutionist said was really eye-opening. He said, because, it, because of the Bible and it going against our sexual mores. It has nothing to do with, with creation, or it has nothing to do with evolution. It has everything to do with selfishness. And because they are selfish in their, in their ideas and their ideologies, they don't want to repent and not Those are, those are nothing compared to what the scripture teaches. But I want us to look at this. Again in verse 20. For the invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and Godhead, for they are without excuse. There, there's no excuse for man. Because that when they knew God, they feared, they go themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible into an image made like, uh, like to a corruptible man, and to birds and the four-footed beasts and creeping things. And we'll end right there. The reality is, is that every time that we take a look at it, people don't want to know the truth of God's word. They want to hide away. And so, let me, let me just say this, and I mean this with all genteel of heart. 
when we tell our children to go to school and you better pay attention because that teacher is going to teach you truth. That teacher is going to prepare you for life to come. And if that teacher stands up and teaches evolution, you have just reinforced that in their mind that it's all right for them to believe evolution. The reality is is that, and I've said this to teachers, when you come to evolution, I want my kids out of your, your classroom. Well, why do you want them out of the classroom? Because I don't want them to hear something that they're not able to handle with their own life. We just studied today about the simple things out of the book of Revelation and how many of us understand that even the simple things from the book of Revelation are hard for us to grasp. Because the reality is, is that when we study these things, there are areas that we need to, to finalize. We need to have them into our mind. How many of us understand everything about the millennial reign of Christ? We don't understand it. Matter of fact, there's very few people that will even write about the millennial reign of Christ upon this earth. But we believe it. We practice it. How many of us understand that even though Satan is bound, the rebellion that is in man because of the sinful state of man, and that has not changed during the millennial reign, will rise up inside of them such that they will want to go against God? How many of us have ever thought about that? It's absolutely true. So this idea that people do not want to believe the testimony is actually on the shoulders of those individuals that have rejected the things of God. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In John chapter 10, and again, we have a responsibility to it ourselves, but I want you to see this from the aspect of the lost. In John chapter 10, And the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. That they might have life. It has nothing to do with what the world really is holding out against us. We have abundant life. I love my Lord. Look at this as well. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. And let's go down to verse 33. Romans 11 and verse 33. And we read, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of wisdom and of knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Have you ever wondered why God elected, chose you under redemption? Have you ever pondered that in your mind? Why did God show me the faithfulness? Why did God allow the message to be preached that I understood that I needed a Savior? How many of us have tried to figure that out? The reality is, is that this verse, and I love this verse in Romans chapter 11, it says, His ways are past finding out. It was in His own good pleasure to redeem us. Not because our we had nothing to do with redemption.
saved in the Armenian congregation. Mom and Dad were just struggling with the uh, doctrines of grace and, and election and predestination. And the uh, reality is, is that the preacher wanted hands to go up. How, how many of you have ever had, heard that ploy? How many of you want to be saved? Let me see your hands go up. Well, in reality is, after anyone has heard the message, surely everyone would want to raise their hands and say, I want to be saved. Well, guess what? I went to sleep. I did. I fell right, right down on the pew, and I went to sleep. But it was after that, while they were singing the song, that something said, get up and go forward. Immediately, I was stirred to my feet. I was literally crying and weeping. I Like one person said, we had the old mourner's bench in that congregation. One person said, look up, I looked up. One said, look down, I looked down. One said, look sideways, I looked sideways. He said, no matter what they said to do, I, I just did it. But it was when the message was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, that I truly understood that I needed Jesus as my Savior. That's reality. And the fact of the matter is, when I think about what he has done for me, it is amazing to me. I am the way. Jesus refers to himself in the I am, which means Christ. And yet the whole time that I see it, there are many people that they're saying is, well, that is so offensive to me. I want to show you something that's really amazing. Let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. And again, I am sure that what I'm teaching you all is not new by any stretch of the imagination. But in Matthew, chapter 13, I want us to go down to verse 10. And look what it says in this particular passage. And I love this, this one as well. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou to them in parables? Do you realize that a parable isn't necessarily easy to understand? Now, we have this book, and I can preach this word to the lost to even the redeemed, and many times they'll sit back and they'll scratch their heads. What is meant by that parable? Look what Jesus said. Look at, look at verse 11. And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever thought about that? The reason that we have the Bible in front of us is to teach us the best. Now, I don't speak in parables. I have a hard enough time with English. But when we think about these parables, it was to make these other people question themselves. And it says, but unto them it is not given. For whosoever hath him shall be given. And who is him? That's Jesus Christ. Whoever has Jesus shall be given. And have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that is he hath. So I want you to get this. The religious struggled 
with themselves. Remember Nicodemus when he came by night? He was a Pharisee. He was a wise man. How is it that you can preach? You must be born again. I don't saying is that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Your flesh will follow your spirit, but you must be born again. And immediately after that, Jesus begins to preach to this man what it's all about in the doctrines of grace. When we get to that place in John chapter 3 verse 16, he had already stated, he that believeth not is condemned already. Yes, Nicodemus, you're condemned. You know, wouldn't you love to have the boldness to tell people that until you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are condemned? Then why is it that we have fallen into a world that doesn't really care? The world that we have at, at, at large doesn't care because they don't even know Jesus Christ and the power that Christ has given into this world. Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 4. And I want you to see this particular verse. In Acts chapter 4, this is after we have already had the day of Pentecost. This is after the lame man was healed and he was entered into the temple. But in verse 12 of chapter 4, we read this. Neither is there salvation in any other. Now, I want you to stop there for a moment. That, that disregards every possible religion under the sun. What about you, Buddha? Oh, read along. You have many women. You're going to be a happy man. Okay, is that, really what, is that, is that what God promised us for happiness? You know, according to the book of Proverbs, happiness is found in the Word of God. What about you, Muhammad? Well, if you kill a lot of infidels, I have to define what an infidel is. Someone who doesn't believe in the Muslim religion, you've got to kill And maybe, if you've killed enough, you will actually have 70 virgins given to you. I could go on and on. Confucius, the Greek philosophers, the way that the Egyptians had worshipped their gods, I could go on and on. But notice that there is only one way whereby we must be saved. Neither is there any salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, when I preach the Word of God and I mention the name of Jesus Christ, I am telling the people in this world that there is only way there's only one way unto salvation. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he is saying there is only one way of salvation. When I go into, when I am killed, when I am buried, when I am resurrected, the only way is Jesus Christ. This was the, the one thing that really he cannot
reason that it was so hard was because of the testimony of men like Stephen, who said, I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. It was also difficult because every person that he arrested, every person he had tried, every person that he had persecuted, did so with a smile. not the permanent residence, that they had been redeemed out of a higher power. And the reality is, is because of the highness of that power, it was something that they could rejoice in and they were thankful for. But I want to show you something that is amazing to me as well. People want, because they have disregarded completely the Word of God. Turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 4. Now, I want you to get this. Here's Adam and Eve, right off the bat. And when Adam and Eve were created, they were made without sin. They had perfect bodies that they could live, literally, eternally. But they chose, now get this, they chose sin over life. Everybody write that down. They chose sin over life. And so, they thought, and I'm sure that when Eve made that statement, she said, I have gotten me a man from God, in verse 1 of chapter 4. She thought that Cain was the answer. It didn't take long before she realized Cain wasn't the answer. But then, when she received back her son Abel in the blood of his own life, she understood that Cain had killed his brother. And in like form, they looked for another. I want you to get this all the way down, if you will, to verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again. And she bare a son and called his name Seth. Why did she call him Seth? Why did she give him this particular name? For God, she said, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew. That's pretty amazing. He has given me somebody else. God has seen fit to give me another one, a substitute. Now watch this. Do you realize in this world I have followed after Cain? Every one of us. We were born after Cain, you know, with that sinful desire to do wickedness. I don't care how good you might think you are, that's morally justified. But you are still a man full of dead man's bones. Women, you're also of dead man's bones. And we need a substitute. We need someone that will reach the sacrifice for us. When we see this message here in verse 24, and it said, For God, she said, hath appointed me. I want you to get this. Do you realize she was saying, I now have redemption to another? Now, I want you to get this. It wasn't long after, after Eve had been created, not long after she had fallen, that we see that Cain came to this earth, and he was also going to be uh, the one that they would think would be the substitute, that he rejected the things of God. I want to show this to you. In Genesis chapter 4, in verse 9 it says, And when the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not, am I brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth to me from the ground. 
And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Do you realize at no time did Cain ever repent of his wrongdoing? Nowhere. He never repented. I killed my brother, but I was right. tell them about the Bible, they'll say, get that out of my face, I don't want to hear about it. How many of us have brothers or sisters that are that way? How many of us have had family members that don't want to know about Jesus Christ in the way that you know about Him? And that's because they are more mature in You're going to be cast all the way down, and you're going to go, Am I real? Well, I didn't think you I am real. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You rejected my son. And so the reality is, is that people say, Well, God. comes to salvation. When the Lord God said there's one way, and when you read this in verse 24, another has to come. Though, even though you had Adam and Eve's message, they did not want to hear it. Not the past lineage. And that's why the flood had to occur. And in, John, in Genesis chapter 8, I want to go over there real quick. In Genesis chapter 8, or excuse me, chapter 9, I said 8. Let's look at the first five verses. And I want you to see this amazing aspect of it, okay? And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Who is God speaking to? More than Noah. He's speaking to his sons as well. Had they heard about redemption? Right there they did. And they heard that this was the plan of God. Right there they did. But now watch what happens. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the field and upon every fowl of the air and upon, every, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be for meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, you shall not eat. And surely your blood, your lives, will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And the hand of man and the and at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Now I want you to get this. They heard the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. They heard the voice of God. They heard what the purpose of the flood was, but how long before they moved away from the things of God? If I was to continue reading, a little bit later we find that Ham had found his brother laying in his tent naked. And the next thing you know, we find that the other two brothers went backwards and they did not want to expose their father's nakedness. They did not want to see it. But the reality is, 
we are all the time faced with that same rejection. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. If I could go in and talk to you about all the people that I've talked to, how often I hear people say all the time, you know, you believe the way you want to believe, I'll believe the way I want to be, believe. And I tell them, you don't have a belief. You don't have a belief. There's only one way to salvation, and that is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. There's only one way of hope. And that is through Jesus Christ. Not by your good works. Not by the standards you've established. But by the standards of Christ. Here's the thing that's amazing to me. Stop measuring yourself to me. I like to think I'm a pretty good person. But I guarantee you I've got a lot of sin in my life. I like to think that I'm not too bad. But I have a lot of problems in my life. But compare yourself to Jesus. And you know what that's going to require? You to get in the Bible, His Word, and find out what He's like. Stop trying to be like me, because if you're trying to be like me, you're going to falter pretty quickly. But if you're like Jesus Christ, you will never fail, and you will never fall. Well, there's a lot more that we can get into, but more than anything, I want us to know this. We preach that others might be saved. And that's why we have to go forth into this world to preach the Word of God and so that the message might be heard. This is the end of part one. And the Lord's willing we're going to get into next week as we look at the final state of the redeemed and then we're going to get into the final state of the lost. Lord, again, I pray that you will bless this message as it was delivered. Continue to bless and guide now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Randy.